If uh, you're visiting with us again, I want to welcome you to the Northeast region of the Garden State Church. Uh, I would go on, but you know, New York City Church, we'll stop right there. <laughs> it's great to see you all this morning. I want you to just look around, look around this room. There's folks, yeah, people gotten taller. Uh, <laughs> Some of us grow mustaches. Some of us have kids that weren't here before. Again, if you're visiting on Zoom, are you here in the room? Yes, I did that on purpose. Welcome. Welcome. You know, there is another group like this meeting out in West Jersey right now. And uh, as Sari said, uh, we're gonna be all together next Sunday at the Doubletree of Fairfield. And it honestly promises to be a treat uh, to be able to see our dear brothers and sisters who we get to support, to hear the, the stories, to, to, to match faces and names. Um, it, it's gonna be really exciting. Um, Emmanuel and Agnes Kofi, the, uh, as Sari said, the Abidjan uh, Church on Ivory Coast, um, which is a French-speaking um, area. Uh, again, we get to support them financially through our special contribution that we give each and every year. And uh, again, yes, if you have not given your special contribution, it's not too late. Uh, you can still give. Um, but it's just encouraging to be able to put a name and a face and know, wow, we are actually helping these folks that we know. So I want to ask you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17, we'll get there in a minute. And I would, let's just give it up for our, our, our AV team. Worship. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. You know, um, I'm going to play a clip here. Have you ever heard this before? Listen, carefully. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has now turned on the fastener seatbelt sign. We are experiencing a bit of turbulence, so please return to your seats as quickly as possible. You heard that before? Yeah. You know, in July... I did a lesson entitled, When the Fasten Your Seatbelt Sign Comes On. And uh, when that happens in our lives, what do we do? Well, slide number three, we, we talked about praying, right? And in that lesson, we, we, we talked about, instead of being anxious, or distracted by the fear of the future, let's learn to present our request to the Lord, which is, is different than praying. And so when we when the fasten your seatbelt sign comes on, again, it usually means one of three things. One, that you're taking off. Two, that you're landing. Or three, there's turbulence. There's turbulence in the air. And we discussed that we have turbulence going on in our world today. 
You know, we have turbulence uh, racially. We have turbulence politically. Uh, we have turbulence personally. You know, some of us, we're dealing with all types of stresses and anxieties and worry and fear and just a host of other things. And so today, I want to take it a step further. And I want to talk about another thing that we can do when that turbulence comes our way. All right? Now, somebody asked me, Russ, why do you take so many pictures and videos? <laughs> you may have been thinking that. <laughs> I thought about it as well. And one of the reasons that I do that is it reminds me. It reminds me of a time in life. It reminds me of a moment or an occasion or an event. It creates a memory. And God has given you and I minds to help us remember and not forget. And not to remember just the negative things. Just the sad occasions, just the tragic defeats. This slide here, number five. Sarah and I were in a class at the uh, leadership conference. I was blown away by this. And it talked about our problem as human beings. In that class, it says we have 12 to 60,000 thoughts per day. 85% of those thoughts are negative. 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. And then 95% of those thoughts are all about us. How can you escape the negative mindset that is just a part of it. And I didn't even say go on the internet or social media. That's probably another 3%. <laughs> Today is part two of when the fasten seat belt light sign comes on in your life. What do we do? And I just think it's still the spirit. I didn't talk to Tina at all. Yeah, right. Okay. At all. I just asked her if she would share. So my word for us today is remember. Amen. All right. Remember. Now, slide number seven. The story we're going to talk about today is in 1 Kings chapter 17 through 19. Because of time, we don't have time to go through all of it. It would probably take me 20 minutes to read all of that. But I want to encourage you later on to go back, read this story. And today I'm going to just take some pieces from it to help apply the point. You know, at any point in our lives when we forget what God has done in the past, we face uncertainty of the future and with fear. Here's why. If you don't see him in your past, you forget 
to factor him in to the future. And suddenly, all of, all of a sudden, life happens, unexpectedly <laughs> hits, and bam, you're faced with reality that's impacting your life. And so what do you do? How do you deal with that? If we look into the future and forget to factor God in and forget to remember his faithfulness, forget to remember his promises, we are done, cooked, hopeless. And of course, we're going to be anxious. Of course, we're going to be depressed. Of course, we're going to be fearful. Of course, we turn to habits that don't help. And it's amazing the force of our emotions and our desires that can literally push us in places that we don't want to go. But that's the beauty of our God. He gives us his word and he helps give us minds so that we can remember. Now I gotta be honest with you, mine is a little shaky. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm writing stuff down. Prayer requests, uh, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that, because then you come back and say, yeah, you said you were going to do it. No, I didn't. <laughs> you know, Jesus himself talks about a man named Elijah in Luke 4, references Elijah. So I know some of us, maybe we don't read the Bible, we don't believe, we, and, and we're going to hear some things today, and we say, well, man, I don't know if that's true. Well, listen, anytime Jesus says something I go with it. Yeah. He rose from the dead. I'm with that guy. <laughs> so let's have a prayer and then we'll just jump into the story. God, thank you again for this time today. Help us to hear your word. I pray that you will uh, move us, uh, inspire us, and, and help us to know you better. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So Luke, I'm uh, sorry, Luke, 1 Kings 17, little background history. Let's play a little trivia here. Who was the first king of Israel? Saul. Saul. And then who came along? Who's the second king? David. David. See, we got some Bible scholars here. <laughs> I can't hear you on Zoom. After David, who came next? Solomon, that's right. Now, after Solomon, Israel split into two. There was the nation of Israel, and then there was the nation of Judah. And so this story happens in the nation of Israel after the nation had split. Each of the nation had a series of bad kings. And one of these kings was named Ahab. He was a terrible king, not bad Michael Jackson bad. He was bad, smelly bad. Does anybody remember 
Ahab's wife. Jezebel. We got some Bible scholars here. You know, that's not a name you hear today. I want you to meet my daughter, Jezebel. Jezebel was, there was some negativity with her, okay? Uh, God actually told the kings, don't marry foreign women. Ahab didn't listen. He married Jezebel. She brought her foreign gods. Jezebel was large and in charge. Ahab was kind of wimpy. And she helped to lead the nation of Israel astray after the, the gods of Baal. And so she's running the show and, you know, Ahab is just there, not being what he, you know, needs to be. And so God basically gets fed up because Ahab um, was not doing what he was supposed to do as the king. So God says, okay, Elisha, I'm sending you to Ahab and I want you to give him this message. And basically, Elijah says to Ahab, hey, here's what God says. Because of your sin, because of your wickedness and the worship of the Baal all over the nation, I am going to stop the rain. And it's not going to rain for years. And then Elijah turns away and leaves the sea. First Kings 17, let's start verse 1. Now, Elisha the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Wow. You are getting fed by ravens. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because of the drought, uh, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. And, and so you, you get the picture here. God tells Elijah what to do. He does it. He goes here. He does it. And God is just taking care of him. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 1. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Okay, so God sent Elijah back to Ahab to prove that he is God's man. So three years go by, God sends them back. I told you, it's not going to rain. Three years later, hadn't rained. Well, Ahab was a little ticked off at Elijah. He was not happy. Skip down to verse 16. 
So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your family, your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the bells. Now summon the people from all over the Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Astra who eat at Jezebel's table. Now that's a pretty big table. And if my math is right, that's 900 folks that were prophets of Baal. Verse 20. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. So now they have a uh, contest. You know, whose God is bigger? Whose God is better? Is it the Lord God Almighty or is it Baal? And so they got this competition, if you want to call it, and we, we, we're, we're going to deal with this. Okay, it says, skip down in verse uh, 27. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder, slashed themselves with sword and spears. That's what's their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for their evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Verse uh, 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a ditch. Right, check this out. He dug a ditch and uh, large enough to hold two seeds of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid the wood, laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. You know, it's not a good thing to wet wood before you're going to light it up. <laughs> then he said, do it again. <laughs> then he said, do it a third time. And they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even lit, uh, even filled the trench. Verse 36, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, Answer me so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Verse 40, uh, verse 40. Then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any one of them get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. What a day in the life of Elijah. You know, personally, I enjoy um, competition, uh, being competitive, you know, mano y mano, you know. But overall, I love to win. <laughs> I love it. Elijah, not just won, he spanked him. <laughs> not only did he spank him, it inspired the nation of Israel who was idol worshiping to turn and start to worship God. He removes all the false prophets. He is the man. <laughs> Spark the revival amongst God's people. Yeah. Yeah. Ahab just is sitting there and saying, I can't believe this happened. Yeah. I can't believe what's going on. So he goes home and he tells his wife. Chapter 19, look at verse 1 2. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed the prophets of Baal uh, with the sword. So Jezebel sent the message to Elijah to say, listen to her words, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, Elijah, you're going to die tomorrow. Death threat. You are mine. And look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. If you're Elisha, let's go back a minute. <laughs> the Lord has not only taken care of you for three years, you're getting fed by ravens. <laughs> you got water. He sent you to Mount Carmel, 900 folks versus you, and you win. You see fire come from heaven after your prayer. Not, you know, later, right after your prayer. It's answered. And now, this woman, this one check, <laughs> Fred, too. 
king of Israel, just runs from in front of you. You won. You defeated the false prophets. And he runs. Now, it says in verse 3, when he came to Beersheba in Judah. Folks, that's about 100 miles away. That could have taken weeks. I mean, I read a marathon a few times. But he a hundred miles? Let's keep reading. Uh, verse four. He says, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. He doesn't sleep down. Hard sleeper. <laughs> get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate, strengthened by that food. Now check this out. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached forehead, the mountain of God. He's like almost 200 miles away from where the action was going on. And it says that Elijah, that the Lord appears to Elijah, there he went into a cave and spent the night. Slide number eight. God asked a very penetrating question that I think you and I need to stop and think about as well. What are you doing here? As you think of all that God has done, what are you doing here? You know, sometimes we can be just like Elijah. Not only do we forget, we run to some of the craziest places. Maybe not physically, but sometimes mentally, emotionally. Right. And God is asking, what are you doing here? Have you made decisions based on fear? I don't know if I'm going to get married, so I got to make it happen. I got to find somebody. And so you're in a relationship with somebody you know you shouldn't be in a relationship with because of fear. Are we worried, anxious about the things that's going on around us? You know, our world is going to be what it is, but we got to decide who we're going to be and not be influenced so greatly by what's going on around us. 
but instead remembering who's with us. See, you're saying to yourself, oh, well, what's going to happen? Well, you know, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? You're going down the wrong path. You're asking the wrong question. And like Elijah, we run because we're afraid. And we get ourselves in the situations that we don't want to be in because we're afraid of what the future might hold. So God's asking the same question. What are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? You're 200 miles away from where the action is going on. Didn't I provide you with food? Didn't I take care of your every need? Didn't I protect you through the drought, through the challenges? <laughs> Didn't you see the fire come down from heaven? That was me. I answered your prayer. Wasn't it you that defeated the prophets of Baal? What are you doing here? Look at his response. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty and the Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And God's saying, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? You know, one thing that I love about God, and this is something that I've learned, God is not a coach. Okay? For me, I need to say that. Because, hey, if you're not performing, kick butt, you know, do it better. You know, try again, you know. And that motivated me. So sometimes it still does. Like, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> but here's the thing. God meets us where we're at. If you're in the cave right now, God wants to meet you where you're at. And he wants to show some grace. You know, when I used to work for Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield, we had to step this uh program called uh, Refresher Training. And it's for the customer service reps who maybe just got a little, you know, sloppy, lazy, and they forgot what to say, what to do when people cuss at you or, you know, things happen. And you need to be refreshed in your training so that you respond professionally. God has given some, some refresher training. Look at what happened. Verse 11. The Lord said, Go out, Elijah, go out. You're up here in the mountain. On the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, 
Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Now, I want you to um, picture this. A wind so powerful, rocks are splitting. An earthquake. Now, I know here on the East Coast, we don't really understand all of that. Sarah and I were in uh, Africa, and we were in an earthquake. And you do not want to be in an earthquake. There is no solid ground. And then a fire comes. And so imagine what Elijah is looking at. Rocks split, earthquake, fire. And God's, why is he doing that? I want you to remember who I am. And that I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't forget what I can do. Don't forget who I am. It says, then the voice of the Lord said to him, after that, showing the display of his power. What are you doing here? I'm your God. Why are you so afraid? Why did you run? I understand you were threatened by Jezebel, but you forgot to factor me into the future. You forgot that I'm with you, and I told you to go talk to them, and I told you to say what you, you know, said. But you forgot to factor me into your future. And Elijah's like us. He still didn't get it. Look at what he said. Verse 14. I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Broke down your altars, put your prophets to death, and with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Sometimes you gotta say it again, right? Sometimes we need to hear it again, right? We need to hear it again. Say that one more time. Say it one more time. You know, sometimes we can actually act a little too smart because we make assumptions. I think Elijah assumed what we can sometimes assume. When we get into places where we're afraid and scared to death of what can happen, we assume because we didn't see God doing much, he's not working. We assume because we couldn't see him uh, acting or he's not responding to my prayers. Well, he's not listening. We assume because, well, he couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. Well, God must not be able to figure it out. 
because he's not figuring out my happy ever after. Well, God can't figure out my happy ever after. He assumed that God could see no further than what was in front of him. So God took it a step further. Look at verse 16. Look at what he says to Elijah. Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go, go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Aziel king over Aram. Oh, wait, Elijah said, uh, Okay, you, you've already picked out the next king? Yep. <laughs> Verse 16. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nishmi, king over Israel. Oh, so you didn't like Ahab either, huh? Nope. We're going to replace them too. Okay. And this was a little surprising. And anoint Elisha. Son of Shaphat from Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. Oh, so there's a new prophet in town. <laughs> That's right, Elijah. I got plans for you. And you kind of know those plans, right? I want to go, well, I can't go that way, but that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> the brother didn't die. <laughs> God says, it's a new day, Elijah. That's why I'm asking you, what are you doing here? There are things to be done. And I'm moving, and I'm shaking, and I'm behind the scenes, but I'm doing something. I am your God, and I have not forgotten. I have not neglected to move. I see what's happening. I see your pain. I see your loneliness. I see your fear. I see you. I am here with you. Verse 17, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose hearts, or all whose mouths have not kissed him. See, when God brought him in on what was really going on, I think Elijah recognizes. And he said, wow, you've been really busy, Lord. You've been, you've been working all the time. And maybe he's thinking, what am I doing? Why did I run? Why did I panic? Well, what's going on? Slide number nine. See, anytime in my life or in your life that we forget God's past faithfulness, Our tendency, when faced with uncertainty, is to run 
to hide. Our tendency is to go places we had no business going. Our tendency is to run to relationships or things that we think will give us that security instead of running to God. Number 10. When we forget God's past faithfulness, we run to people, places, and things that really can't help us the way that God can. And this morning, I pray that you think about yourself. You think about you know, I run the negative thinking too much. Lord, help me. You know, personally, when we came back from this conference, it made me reflect and do a little digging. And I thought, man, why do I think some of the ways that I think? And it made me think about my, you know, childhood. Think about trauma. You know, when you've gone through trauma and you treat it like, yeah, well, everybody's gone through that. Well, that was just this. That was, and you you minimize it, and you don't realize, man, that that's you got to work through that. And um, I remember, you know, coming home digging, you know, pulling stuff out, looking at this, that hurt, that resentment, that fear. God helped me see some things differently. About maybe ten years ago, I used to, I keep in my email, I have a calendar, a folder called memories and miracles and all that was is things that's happened throughout the years and it goes back to probably 2004 wow so i got births and prayers that were answered and things that happened you know in the church and just things like that i just go through it sometimes and say wow but anyway i come back from orlando and um, I had started working on this list of change your thinking, Russ. I mean, yeah, deal with reality, but you can't think negatively. So I wrote up this thing, and it's called Favorite Moments with My Dad. He may not even remember some of this stuff, but he dressed up in a sheet for a Halloween party at the MLK Youth Center. <laughs> Watching him play basketball with sweatpants, with sweats over his shorts, calling himself Dr. J, his favorite player. Seeing his picture in the paper riding on the portion of our house that was being brought to Hobstown. Going fishing at White House Station, Old Bridge in PA. Watching him with kids, with, uh, with my grandkids, I'm freezing. I need my cover. I'm warm. Tearing down the fence in the backyard and putting up a new fence. Laying pavers in our walkway at 84. Building a shed at, at 140. Working on projects around the house. Watching him help other family members like Cam and Anya and walking dogs. Serving other family members like Uncle John Proctor. Mowing lawns. Putting up sheetrock. Painting. Watching him catch fish and battle Uncle Andrew for the Bassmaster of the day. <laughs> Rooting for the Warriors, Jets, and other family members who play sports. Making Jesus Lord, October 1st, 2006. Amen. That's what I think about. 
When you forget God's faithfulness in the past, it's almost impossible to factor him into the future. Why time remember? Remember his goodness. I want to encourage you. This is a practical thing. Write down three things in your past where God has demonstrated his faithfulness. When you write those things down, think about sharing with the people in your life team. Let's remind one another of the God that we serve. And I'm going to go to some, uh, slide 12. And I'm going to leave you with this passage. Psalm 77, verse 11 through 13. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O oh God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? To God be the glory. Amen.